Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pathways with your host, me, Todd Allen Baker. Uh, welcome back. We're back in the studio. I got rid of the Christmas COVID, so we are back in the studio. Um, and I have a special guest um, today, a uh, longtime friend since, wow, 1994. 1994, yeah. Um, he's a great performer and a great vocalist. And what I would say one of his specialties is, and he is probably the best vocal teacher I've ever had. And he's a great vocalist and a great vocal teacher. I've had other friends that will swear by him till this day that he is the best vocal teacher. A dear, dear friend. We haven't spoken in a long time. We we text every now and then um, via Facebook, but it's a joy and a pleasure to see him. And this is my guest. Um, we worked together on opposite ends and we were good friends when I worked back in um, Opryland in 1994. So this is Kyle Gagne. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here. Ah, it's nice to see you. How's the weather up there in Connecticut? It's very cold. It's cold? <laughs> yeah. It's about um, 41, and but it feels like maybe 37. Yeah, that's how it is here. It's, yeah. It's just nothing nothing particular. Nothing, okay, yeah. No, no happy, snow, though, thank God. No snow. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Oh, it's so good to see your face after, <laughs> mm, I don't know, since 20, uh, 30 years. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, just about. You look the same. No, no, no. Thank you, though, but no. <laughs> you do. Your skincare regimen is amazing. <laughs> well, you know, mm. moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. That's yep. all I can tell you. <laughs> That's all you can do. All right. Uh, so... I'll just start and ask you, how did you get started in this business and performing? And what was your first memories of this passion that you wanted to do this? Oh, wow. Well, I can remember singing um, since I was the age of four or five and loving to sing, even at that age. Um, and I also had uh, a love for just music in general. Um, but in terms of theater, I mean, I was a theater kid in high school, you know, and things like that, you know. It's, um, so I had the bug early on in that respect. I but love when I people went... call it the bug. You're not the first person. <laughs> I won't even say it. And people just bring it out. And they're like, it's yeah. the bug. It's the bug. It, it bites you and it bites you hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, well, you know, as a dancer, you had the bug as a dancer. I, had, yeah. I, I have no doubt, right? Right. Um, so... Um, so let me think, I'm thinking back now, many years. Um, so I went to college at the Hart School of Music for vocal performance, music education. Um, and on the side, I didn't, I didn't it wasn't part of my degree or anything, but on the side, I did a lot of musical theater um, while I was in college too. And this was, you know, in the early nine, I graduated in the early nineties and had every intention of going right into education. Um, and or well let me rephrase that <laughs> i didn't necessarily want to go into education but um i was being pushed in that direction um, i really did want to go into theater however i was applying for jobs in music education and in the early 90s some people may remember that um the funding for music programs in a lot of public high schools was defunct there's yeah, just they just there was nothing there. it went to athletics back then exactly so um the jobs were very far and few between 
and I didn't really find anything. So I said, okay, what am I going to do? So I went to um, a theater conference in Boston called, at the time called NETCs, it still might be around, the New England Theater Conference, um, where you would go and audition for a number of theaters I forgot about that. I did that yeah. too, like for summer stocks and it was just exactly. one big collaborative of, so for our audience that doesn't know back in the day, go ahead and describe it, Kyle, like what it would, what we did, because I totally forgot that I did those. I can't even remember what the, every conference, every region. Had yeah. There own. was a, there was a Southeastern, there was SETCs, mm -hmm. NETCs. I think there might've been one in the Midwest as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, Anyway, so yeah, the, the, the process simply was um, mostly summer stocks, mm -hmm. uh, but some regional theaters, but mostly summer right. stocks would come and hold this big audition for one day or two. And um, it could be as many as 15 to 20 theaters sitting in the auditorium watching people audition. Mm -hmm. You had two minutes. Yeah. So you would go out and you would, and you could do anything that you wanted to in those two minutes. You could do a monologue and a song or just a monologue. You could do a song and a quick dance routine. You could do anything you wanted in those two minutes, but that's all you had. I totally forgot about that. Um, so uh, I did my, I, I went out, did my audition and I got called back, I think for 10 theaters that day. Cause they call you back in that day. Yeah. Um, and to make a very long story short, um, I was offered a job at, the McCaden Theater in Chatham, New York, which still exists. In fact, side story, I was just there two summers ago watching one of my students perform at that theater. Um, so they, they're still there. They've been around, oh God, it must be 60 or 70 years at this point. Um, and um, so I did a whole summer there uh, in 1992, I believe it was. Um, yeah, so it's 92 and then, um, that was the summer of 92. Yeah. And then, um, and, and of course, in summer stock, um, for those who don't know, you do at least eight shows in about three months. Yeah. We talked about that yeah. the other day with someone that I did summer stock with how like now it's like pretty much you do two or maybe three, but back in the day I did like four in like yeah. three and a half months, three months. Like that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on top of that, you would do children's theater in between. Oh, that's crazier. <laughs> it's even crazier. Um, but you know, those, those were the jobs that you just, you know, cut your teeth on, you know, mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, most of the cast were, you know, were in their early twenties to mid twenties. There were obviously older actors that would come in and do, um, the older roles. Um, but, um, you know, it, it was a great, um, training ground for what was to come. Well, I think that that was a different stock and breed of what people have now. I mean, there's high school summer stocks, but the um, thing is that they usually do three shows, but the kids might only do one show. So it's yeah. not like they're pounding out like, you know, three or four shows. A lot of summer stocks now will have four shows, but they bring in different casts for each show. So it's not, that's true. It's not the same as it used to be. Unless you're in the ensemble for the season, which right. happened to me when, uh, which happened to me in 2004, um, when I worked at um, the Music Circus in Sacramento. Um, so I actually I went in 2003. 
um, you're right. I was hired for one show. I, yeah. I played Ruben and Joseph. Um, and But there was a core group of people that would be in the ensembles. And then the next year they hired me for the, that core. And then I played roles, small roles in every, in every show. Right. Um, so, but yeah, uh, that, that definitely does happen. And so from there, where was your kind of pathway that kind of got, got you to more things to do? Okay. So from there, um, you know, my first stock job, I came home because I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts originally. Mm-hmm. And um, so this summer stock in Chatham was only about maybe an hour and a half from my hometown. Oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so I went home and I said, okay, now what? And it still exists today. There is a, a publication called Backstage. Yep. We were um, talking about that too. Yep. <laughs> and now uh, it's online. It's not it's all, all digital mostly. Yep. Yeah. We don't have to get our fingers all inky anymore. That's right. Um, and I saw an audition for an operetta called um, The Student Prince in um, uh, Wisconsin. Okay, at the Fireside Theater in Wisconsin. Well, that still exists, yeah. That is still going as well. Um, and I took the train into the city, sang for the uh, director, and um, called me back, sang for him again. Next thing I know, I'm off to Wisconsin um, to play the role of Lucas in um, in the Student Prince. And that was a long gig. That was, a, that was those were long gigs at the time because they were more re, that was more regional dinner theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that lasted a couple months. Um, and then from there, um, I had another um, season at the McCaden because um, that was being done in the spring, and I just got a phone call while I was, while I was doing that show to come back to the Mac. And I was like, Oh boy, this is, this is, this is easy. (laughs) And that goes back to what we've repeated several times that reputation matters. And sometimes you don't have to re-audition. If you did a good job, they just call you back. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, You know, uh, being professional and, you know, doing your job and um, you know, it goes a long way, you know, in um, repeating. Mm Mm-hmm your work at, at, right. at, at certain theaters. So, um, so I did another season and while I was doing that, I get a phone call from um, the theater in Wisconsin again saying, we're doing the student prints at our sister theater in Ohio called La Comedia, which is still there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in Springboro, Ohio. So I'm like, okay, this is easy. So I finished the summer. I got in my car. I drove to Ohio. That one was in the fall. Um, and while I was there, this is so. This is in 1993, fall of 93. Mm-hmm. While I was there, um, a friend of mine who lives in Kentucky said, "Hey, Opryland USA is having auditions in Louisville." I said, "They are really." I was like, "Why don't you come down and audition?" I'm like, "Hmm, okay. I'm not sure I want to do theme park, but but." Let's, why not? But you had a you good know? show. Well, I you didn't know. The, I, I didn't know anything about it really. Uh, but you, you had know? the gig. You had the General Jackson. We had. I had the. I got lucky for sure in that. You respect. did. Um, although the park shows were fabulous. Oh I yeah. Mean, I mean, I know, my show is still way out west. Is still yeah. probably one of my favorite things I've ever done yeah. in my life. Yeah, and you know, and of 
course, we don't have to talk about the sadness of the fact that that's all gone. But um, at any rate, so I went down to Louisville. They put me through my paces. And the next thing I know, you know, I'm finishing up (laughs) Ohio. I went home for a hot second for Christmas and New Year's. And then I drove drove to Nashville, got an apartment and stayed there for the whole year because about what, maybe three quarters of the way, they start auditioning for the Christmas shows. Yeah. So ended up with the Christmas show on the G-Jack as well. And that took me to December of 94. While that was going on, Peter Greater Hune, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. um, cruise ship director, was auditioning in Nashville. I think it was out near the hotel somewhere, yeah. if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. And... I auditioned for them and before the Christmas show ended, I got a phone call to go to Florida to start rehearsing for an inaugural ship on the, on the silver sea line. Um, and again, no idea what I, I was like, cruise ships. What's that? No clue. <laughs> I remember. Cause you left, did you leave a little bit early? Nope. Oh, I stayed I to remember the end. saying goodbye to you. I can't remember. I had to leave right away was the thing. Because I think um, my show ran longer than your G Jack show, and then I think you, yeah, I, I just you remember went, you didn't saying, go to Colorado. No, I stayed oh, around. Okay. I did gift for Santa because I stayed around that whole year. I stayed okay. spring, summer, fall, and Christmas that year. Okay, um, and um, yeah, Peter Greater Hune. Yeah, they were at Nashville. That's the one that I've talked about on this podcast. They kicked me out of the room because I thought I was called back. And I wasn't called back and I got to the front <laughs> of center ready to be called back. And they scanned the room and they're like, one of you is not supposed to be here. And they're like, number 23. And I was like, mm, that's me. Oh, and I was like, sorry, <laughs> see you later. I'll just wait for you out in the hallway. Yep. Peter Gray. Yep. They totally uh, kicked me out. I'm sorry to hear that. because That's amazing though. I mean, what else can you do? I mean, I got kicked no. out. I thought I was like, yeah, they called me back. Nope. <laughs> Heard wrong. Uh, so if anyone for those who are listening be sure that you hear people correctly oh I, yeah <laughs> totally misunderstood um, yeah no so because we finished the show the christmas show um i'm trying to remember if it was just before christmas or just after and then i went home for New Year's Eve, I had to be in Florida rehearsing on the 2nd of January. Yeah, we ran all the yeah. way till like New Year's Eve. Yeah, no, the G-Jack um, didn't. Yeah, I think you got done. what I remember. Yeah. So anyway, it worked out very well in terms of timing because I just, again, just went one, one job to the next. Um, so I stayed on Silver Sea over the course of two years. I stayed on Silver Sea for about 16 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's great money helps pay off pay, paid off the student loans. Same, um, same. But I saw the world for nothing. Well, yeah. I saw the world and got paid for it. Yeah, that's what I always say. Oh. Cruise ships are the bot, and now they're even better. Now they're even better. They're even better. Um, you know, it is a real, legitimate way of working in the performing arts. I say that all the time, yeah. and I tell my dancers and my performers that that. You know, don't pigeonhole yourself that you want to be this um, ballet dancer. Go, go for your dreams. Go for your dreams. 
but cruise ships now, they were back then, but even now they're more legit with the aqua shows and the parades oh, absolutely. and the aerial acts and the book shows and the review shows. I mean, sometimes they're even better than a Broadway theater. The mechanics and the technical end that you get Without is a doubt. ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. It's, it's, it's money in the bank. And I tell my kids, don't ever count out a cruise ship. You know, you're Mm -hmm. a dancer. Don't label yourself. I just want to be a ballet dancer because, you know, at some point you're going to have to eat, you know, and you don't want to if you don't want to teach at 20 dance studios, you know, if you want to work, there are plenty of ship jobs out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I have actually a, a story related to that. But let me get to the next part of the journey here. Um, so again, 16 months over the course of two years, I stayed on ships and then I decided to move back to New York. So I moved back to New York um, with some great bank in my pocket. So I didn't Mm -hmm. have to struggle, you know, it was awesome, you know, Uh, but I got a temp job immediately, you know, et cetera. And I just started auditioning again for regional theaters, summer stocks, et cetera. Um, And I was cast for summer season at Bucks County Playhouse, which is the oldest summer stock theater in the country to this mm-hmm. date. Um, and it has recently, back then it was, when I was doing it, it was a non-equity. Um, and, but some very wealthy uh, investors and producers bought it a few years ago, sunk a ton of money into it, and it is back to its old glory, which I'm really happy to hear about. Um, so I did a whole season there and then came back to New York. I auditioned for a theater called Rockwell Productions, which later became the media theater uh, in um, Pennsylvania. This was in media Pennsylvania. Um, and I auditioned for, it was Men of La Mancha actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into I, the ensemble, I played Anselmo, but I, was, I covered the Padre. Um, and that, that was fun because the guy playing the Padre just before we opened got sick. So I did all the dress rehearsals. And what's, what was funny about that is they were taking pictures for, for publicity and it's my picture for the publicity for the show, but it was his name under my picture. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that's not fair. It's kind of like singing in the rain. You're a little bit of Lena Lamott for a while. Exactly. It's exactly right. Um, but come to find out the director and producer um, and artistic director of the theater had other plans for me. Um, he had asked me during then of La Mancha to um, audition for yet another operetta called The New Moon. And I said, oh, I had, I had no intention of doing so. He was like, I'd like you to audition. So, okay, so I auditioned and um, he had me sing with a couple of, of uh, leading ladies and whatnot. And this woman who got that role today is, to, to this day, is my dearest friend and my, was my matron of honor at, at, at my wedding. Um, so, you, you know, you really create these long lasting bonds of friendship um, in this business, right? Um, and um, so I got the lead um, in that show and this was really my first bi- first lead mm-hmm. that, I, that I've got. And I was, um, oh, I think I was what, 28, I think at the time. 
um, maybe 29. I don't remember now. Um, and that then, the next show was Showboat, which he hired me as Ravenel. And then the next show after that was Rosemary, and he hired me for the lead of that. So I stayed there pretty much for an entire year um, in one theater um, doing um, these leading roles. In the, in but how, I mean, there were some breaks uh, in between the shows though. So in those breaks, I'd come back to New York and work, cater, you know, whatever I had to do to make money. Um, and there was a production company from Germany called Stella Productions Yep, that had an office in New York City. And, um, and they, Germany was trying to break into the world of producing musical theater. Yeah. You know, because they were not very good at it um, because, I mean, they're, they're great at the opera, but they, you know, they really didn't understand the medium, yeah. um, especially, especially the performers over there. So this and production company- we've had company, some German people on that have done Grease and Cats, and I was supposed to do Cats over there, but I had to turn it down. Mm -hmm. So we've had them, and you are exactly right. The way they she described their work ethic over the American work ethic and the visas, like, and their time off that they receive and everything else is totally different than what we do it over here. Completely. Um, but also their understanding of how to do the medium on stage, mm -hmm. you know, because opera is come on stage, park, bark, park and bark, yeah. <laughs> leave stage, you know. So um, I mean, there was, you know, there were, we had plenty of Germans in the cast, but most of the cast, uh, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so long, long story short, while I was doing um, Rosemary, I got a phone call from that production company to go over and do Phantom of the Opera um, to play Raoul um, in Phantom of the Opera and or to cover Raoul actually in mm -hmm. the first year. Um, and that show, I actually ended up leaving two weeks early um, <laughs> to, to the chagrin of my co-star, but <laughs> um, I won't get into that. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, so the, the the point of all of that is that there were so many Brits and Americans being hired to go over to Germany to to you know um, get musical theater off the ground, if you will. Yeah. Now, unless you're an expat, what happened was that all these schools, stage schools, started to pop up in Germany to teach the medium, and they were being taught by the Americans and the Brits, you know, et cetera. And so now these casts are, you know, 90% German and 10% expats. Mm -hmm. So, but that was, so, that was, that was the crowning jewel. Um, because the second year I was there, they asked me to cover Phantom and play Raul for, uh, that Raul was my primary role. And then they asked me to cover the Phantom and I was able to go on in that year. I went on about 54 times Be to your point, Todd, because of all the different ways they do things in terms of vacations and, you know, and how they, it, et cetera. It's like the understudies went on all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what my friend who is dance captain and other people said, you just go on. Yeah. All the time. You could say I have um, a cough and then like, Oh, okay. Take some time off. And some people would have, I have a cough and they had a cough for six weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly what she said. Because, That's just 
Because you could take off for six weeks and get paid. And get paid. And then come back. And then come back for like one or two days and then get sick again. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Um, How do you get that job? I would love that job. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> um, and well, That's amazing that you yeah. – what an iconic show to do. I'm I'm so blessed and um, proud of being in that show. Um, you know, granted, it's been around a long time, but to be part of the Phantom family mm-hmm. uh, and wear the mask. Yeah, I mean, and wear the mask. I can show you mine. I have it here. Hold on. Oh, oh, it's it's all preset and ready. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> it's all preset. And it's you know, and it's under glass. <gasps> fantastic <laughs> that is amazing i yeah. love that that's awesome that's that was good... that was that was a thrill i have mm-hmm. i have to say so um and then from there guess what i got a phone so the show closed mm-hmm. in hamburg uh, after 11 years and i'm like okay now what do i stay in germany do i go back to new york I said, I think I'll go back home. Two weeks before I left, I get a phone call from Peter Gray Terhune. (laughs) And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I just finished a show. He's like, you want a working vacation for the next few months on the Crown Princess? And I was like, sure. My God, Kyle, did you ever audition again? Getting to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I said, sure. So I flew home. uh, And two weeks later... This was in, um, well, actually a couple months later. Um, I went down to Florida again, started rehearsing, and 9-11 happened while we were rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was obviously uh, a, a very nerve-wracking time. Luckily, my cast and my ship um, the ship was in Boston mm-hmm. doing the Canadian route. And so we kept, we were able to keep our jobs. All of my friends who had gigs over in Europe lost their jobs that day. Yeah. And I was supposed to, I was in Australia at that point in time and we had all signed up. A bunch of us had signed up to come back. We were all friends and we were coming back to do a European cruise mm-hmm. after that. Um, we all got back on the ship, but our route was totally rerouted right. to all like the Caribbean. So we, we'd all were excited because we're like, we're going to Europe again together. And we're like, no, yeah. no, <laughs> we're going to Cosmel, Mexico again. Well, I mean, luckily you were able to keep your, your game yeah, though, yeah, you we, know, we kept um, and cause I thought, oh God, what's going to happen? So we got very lucky and so, but there were no flights obviously anywhere Mm-mm. going anywhere in the country. So we packed up all of our costumes, all of our props and whatnot into a big old van rented. I think it must've been about three or four sedans. We all piled in and we caravaned all the way to Boston. <laughs> so yeah, we drove all the way up to Boston to meet the ship. Um, and I was company manager. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so um, that was a little stressful, but we did it. Um, and in the beginning, we hardly had any passengers at all. Mm-hmm. But then we finally repositioned down to the Caribbean from Canada, and we started getting more and more passengers. But um, 
And that was a long contract. That was, uh, God, I think that was eight months. The ours got extended over yeah. and over yeah. because of staffing and yeah, we had to, it was for, we went from a six month to a nine and a half month because, um, because of space and staffing and so many ships being rerouted over to the Caribbean <clears throat> and the stuff going around, we, we, they couldn't do our six month rotation like we used mm -hmm. to. Right. Exactly. So, and of course, through all of this time, because this is what's going to dovetail into the next part of my life, mm -hmm. all of this time I was teaching voice. Uh, I taught voice in Germany. You know, I taught voice in New York. Okay. Um, because people would like, do you teach? I'm like, I do. So, you know, and um, started slowly building, you know, a studio over the years, um, even though I was going off and doing shows and whatnot, which, you know, is actually beneficial to the, your students if you're out there working in the industry. Um, but I got to the point where I'm like, hmm, okay, I'm getting really and willfully entrenched into this whole academic side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really starting to like it. Um, and I'm walking up the street at one point and I ran into a director who directed me in Camelot at the Bucks County Playhouse. I said, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm um, teaching at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, otherwise known as AMDA. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I just put in a resume to teach there. He was like, give me your resume because they'll never see it. Give me your resume. I'll hand it to the person who does the hiring for the voice department. And I said, oh, okay. So I got it to him. And the next thing I know, I have an interview um, to teach um, at the academy. And this year will mark my 21st year um, teaching there. So do you still go in the city to teach every, every day? Uh, so, yeah, well, I lived in the city until 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so obviously I was, you know, th there already, but when, you know, the pandemic happened and whatnot, you know, we decided to, you know, get out of the city and buy a house and whatnot. Um, so during the pandemic, obviously everything was online, which right. I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely hated. Right. <laughs> um, ironically though, Todd, I was actually already teaching via the internet mm -hmm. before the pandemic happened and i didn't mind it at all but when it's forced upon you mm -hmm. it's a whole different ball game you know um i was so resentful <laughs> but <clears throat> at any rate once we got through that so to answer your question yes i go in four days a week okay um i wish i could have seen you when i was in the city but we were just running around like running i'm sure i'm sure um i go in four days a week but Two years ago, the two years ago now, I was um, promoted to the ac associate academic department director for the individual voice department. Amazing. Um, Can so, you tell our, our audience, like we've had someone else that just was on this week that went to AMDA many years uh -huh. ago, but can you, kind of a two-parter here, can you explain what AMDA is in a brief term? And since I have a lot of dancers and other people and actors um, and a lot of dancers that listen and dance parents, mm -hmm. can you explain as a voice teacher, and I try to preach this and it kind of doesn't get through the message, 
the importance of dancers and performers taking vocal lessons. Okay, well, you said a mouthful. Um, so one of the big things that AMDA does, uh, we have we have basically um, four programs in New York. We have the um, acting for film, acting the studio, the acting studio, which mm -hmm. is all um, stage acting, musical theater, division, and dance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we actually have a dance division and dance program there. Every single dancer in that program takes a group voice lesson in their first semester, and then they have individual voice lessons in their second, third, and fourth semester. Because it is imperative that dancers have this other skill. We know, we totally understand that it's not how they identify in terms of their strength, most mm -hmm. of them. Yeah, but what they learn in terms of fundamentals of simply how to sing a melody, uh, maybe even in a harmony, harmony line, et cetera. I can tell you so many success stories of our dancers who have gotten work because they knew how to sing. And I've said this before, if you go to a Broadway show or tour or something, you're gonna open that program, you're gonna open mm -hmm. that playbill and you are gonna see an AMDA graduate and it doesn't matter if they're a dancer or whatever and they're in right. a musical theater and they're singing. That's right. Um, one of my students a few years ago, never sung a note in her life, fantastic raw voice, mm -hmm. yeah, but never sung a note in her life. By the time she graduated, she had already been cast um, as Tiger Lily in Peter Pan, you know, and she has been in I don't know how many callbacks for Hamilton on Broadway, yeah, because she now has this facility to sing, you know, so, um, it, yeah, it, it makes all the difference in the world, you know, and I, and I understand it's like people have their dreams, you know, they want to be in a company, they want to be in a ballet company, they want to be, you know, in a modern company, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But those jobs are far and few between, mm -hmm. right? That are good and, paying jobs. Yeah. And so there's a whole world out there of opportunity to perform as a dancer, uh, but you need to have that skill Thank in you. terms of singing. Thank you for backing up my point. I always <laughs> make that welcome. point. It's true. It just kind of doesn't hit the mark with people. And conversely, singers need to get into movement and dance. Correct. <laughs> Correct. They do. Because yes. the choreography now isn't basic and simple. We don't just let the singer all the time park and bark. Mm -hmm. Like they're part of the action now. And especially on ships, you have to be part of the action. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to be able to move exceedingly well. You know, I had, you know, I had a you know a little bit of movement experience, as you know. Um, but um, you know, I was never a dancer, but I always went to dance class. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I was in the city, you know, um, even in Germany, the 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 court of ballet in Phantom, they had a, their own ballet studio in the theater, <clears throat> and I was like, "Can I join you?" They were like, "Absolutely, come on!" And sometimes I'd have a jazz class, but I would, st I, no matter how difficult that bar was, because I was <laughs> not a dancer, you know, I went up there and did it, you know, and they were so encouraging, you know, but I but I I looked I think looked so much better on stage because I took those classes. And your posture, your carriage, the, your demeanor on stage doesn't matter if you're parking and barking. It's it's gonna absolutely it's gonna transcend into everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if you, if any of your students are thinking about going to AMDA, um, 
you know, we have a really robust um, um, program in terms of dance theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes, and it also includes acting, musical theater class, you know, et cetera. So. And with your vocal techniques, and I know mm-hmm. you still kind of teach Maggie Lynn D- Donello sometimes. and Oh, not in a while, but. She's still here. Uh, I still see her. She's still oh, really? in Indiana with me. Yes. Oh, yes. Out loud. Oh, please I know. Tell, give her a big hug for me. I know we used to hang out. We got, she got back here and we taught at the same Pilates studio forever and lived next door. Oh, for crying out loud. I know we have followed each other around since Opryland. Opryland, then I lived with her at Bush Gardens. I uh-huh. lived with her at Opryland. She was my roommate there. And then she followed me back up here. Our paths have crossed since 1994. That's fabulous. Isn't it? It's kind of cool. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, I miss her. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked awesome. to her in a long time. Um, I'll tell her. I'll just make sure I t- I'll tell her today. I'll text her after this and say that Absolutely. I talked to you. So your style of vocal teaching. Now, I had a lot of different vocal teachers, whether it was in college, because I always knew it was imperative. And I had songs. And I sang. I wouldn't classify myself, as you said, identify myself as a singer. But throughout my career, I had solos. I had. I got paid to sing. And when I got mm-hmm. on ships, it actually did help. Because every now and then they would have a singer-dancer, a dancer-singer role that you just pull out a mic. It would be character or whatever. But mm-hmm. every ship, about every ship I was on, not every, about five of them, and I did seven years, like I would do a role. I would do Will Rogers. I would do the stepsisters. I would do something else. And it would just be a one-off. But mm-hmm. they would always put me up front and center to sing. And I would be dance captain and I would have a singing role briefly, right? It was just because they needed it. But I always understood that importance. So I had other yeah. vocal teachers throughout my life. And whatever technique you taught me is probably still the technique that I use today. Do you still use that technique or do you pull from many vocal techniques that you have? So, well, first of all, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> um, secondly, um, the foundation of the technique is very much the same, mm-hmm. but any good teacher grows as they, yeah. the longer they teach. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do start to pull from, you know, different concepts and different ideas, but you make sense of it with your root understanding and philosophy, your own root understanding and philosophy mm-hmm. of, of, of the, of the process. So <clears throat> it's, I'm still rooted very much in the Italian school of thought peppering in a little bit of Eastern philosophy with the yoga. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that or not. I do. I remember um, being like, in a, like, a, <laughs> like a downward dog or an upward dog and you'd make me sing. And the way that you'd make me move my diaphragm and pull in, like as a dancer, it always made sense because, you know, I have different people that sing from your feet, you blow in and then you push out and like your stomach's like a different loose and you're going in and out. Mm-hmm. But the way you taught me was a little bit different and i like that because i could be pulled up and still be supported as a dancer and still sing and have the endurance so whatever it was that just always made more sense to me that's that's good um yeah my concept of breathing has evolved a little bit over the over the course of time where even though you know so I'm going to get a little bit technical. We cannot feel our diaphragm. It's not possible. We can't sense it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's really no way to sing from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We have, we have like 12 more minutes. Go. Okay. All right. So you can't, 
you, you can't send something. You can, this, obviously you're my can't first vocal, vocal teacher. I've had, I've had Sean Carter. I've had singers. I've had Arbinder oh, Robinson. Yeah, I've had Arbinder Robinson. I've had people that are singers, but you're like a vocal teacher. And I know you're like a master at it and you work at a major academy. So that's why you're crucial. Uh, thank you. So um, in terms of how the, the diaphragm works in the process, it's other muscles that are controlling the release of the breath in terms of what the diaphragm does. And those are the intercostal muscles, the transverse abdominis, okay? Very rarely is it the rectus abdominis. However, the supportiveness that comes from the rectus abdominis um, is important, but it's not nearly as much as we thought it needed to be. But dancers still can engage but it's a different kind of engagement. It's not this idea of holding breath at your waist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but when dancers breathe, where do they mostly breathe, right? Mm -hmm. They breathe into their back, mm -hmm. you know, especially the ballet dancers, right? Am I, right. Am I correct in that? You're yeah, correct. absolutely correct. So, you know, and that is where most of my work comes from in terms of teaching breath. And the dancers click into it like that. I love teaching dancers um, because they're so in tune with their bodies and singing is a physical process. It's just not about how good you sound. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding how you get to and access that sound through the physical process. And dancers tap into that so easily, you know, because they really do understand everything, you know, that's going on physically. Then we get into the emotional side of singing. That's the music part. Mm -hmm. Okay, but in terms of technique, technique is technique. You know? So if you understand that mind-body connection, you can sing. If you can speak, you can sing. Right. If you can walk, you can dance, right? I, that that's what I always was taught. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, if, you know, if, if it's I all don't know about how graceful you might be, but if you can walk, you can dance. Right. But I mean some people but some people don't walk correctly. No. Right. Correct. Yeah. So some people don't speak correctly. And if you speak correctly, you will sing correctly. I like that. It's I the like same that. idea. Same concept. It's kind of like, you know, you know, speaking um, music man. What is it? When he was like, <clears throat> when Harold Hill goes, it's just That's sustained. Right. It's just sustained. Sustain it's sustained your, speaking. That's all it is. Yeah. Now, changing style in terms of contemporary style and legitimate style. Okay, that only happens with the understanding of how you need to change the speech mm -hmm. and, you know, what you've listened to all your life. Right. You know, okay. If you never watched the ballet, how would you know what it looked like? Right. 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 You know, and, it, and if you went into a ballet class and it said, I've never seen a ballet or watched ballet, what would you do? Right. <laughs> Right. So understanding the style before you get into the process of learning mm -hmm. is half the is half the battle. You know, so I say to my singers and my dancers who sing, I say, listen to everything that you can, understand the style. Hear the difference between the styles. Yeah. So you understand the difference between what it takes to do ballet and jazz, two different styles. Mm -hmm. Right. And the simplicity of that is one's turned out and one's turned in. Right. 
<laughs> but in dance, and I always was taught this too, and I teach it when I do Pilates and I teach it when I do dance, you're using the same muscles you use to rotate out. And it's the same with Fosse. If you go all the way into parallel, the muscles are still all connected at the hip That's and right. the rotators. So you are using the exact same muscles to turn out, to go mm -hmm. to parallel, to go to inverted. It's all the same. They just go in a different direction. So the muscle That's tissue right. and the way you wrap it is no different. It's the same That's thing. Right. And it comes down to the memory of that muscle in terms mm -hmm. of the style you are dancing and or singing. Same thing with singing. It's about muscle memory and triggering that muscle memory. Well, now what triggers the muscle memory? in my opinion, you know, is the truthful communication of what you're saying or the story you're telling when you're dancing. That's what triggers it, mm -hmm. triggers the muscle. Because you don't have time to think about what your muscles are doing. You have to tell the story. You know, so if you're, if you're well-practiced and, you know, are disciplined in whatever medium we're talking about, yeah, you will be successful, you know, but you have to have that discipline. So I kind of like jumped around and I know you're, this was like the ending thing. Um, and you've given all a lot of words of wisdom. So I really didn't have to ask like the standard question. Did you ever feel like having to give up? Because kind of things were just kind of handed to you for a little while. Um, so it's a really good question. And I think, you know, a lot of people say no, and I didn't, you know, th there's always hardships, but I feel like you were pretty constant in your work. Yeah, I was. But there was a moment yeah. where, um, you know, I had come back from the, the last cruise ship job after 9-11, after I had come back. And even though I got the job at AMDA, um, I was still auditioning. I had six, I think it was six callbacks for both the Broadway company and the tour for Little Women um, to no avail. Um, I was auditioning for, I auditioned for a, a Beauty and the Beast which I actually ended up getting, but I wasn't their first choice. And I'm like, mm, what's going on? <laughs> it was tight you know? back then because you know? that's where all the cast got cut <clears throat> down because of budget. It was more than that, Todd. It was more, it was more me questioning my, my talent and my ability, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we still have those moments. I just have one of those moments being age 51, just like 10 weeks ago, I had Absolutely. A, a thing of insecurity and I've not ever had that in my life. And I had one in, and I had one for like 10 weeks, like anxiety, panic attack about, am I good enough? Or am I this yeah. or what's yep. happening? It's and so, so it real. Does, it's still real. I never had that during my career, but in this new career and I'm getting into choreography and stuff, like, I, I just had it. Yeah. I just had it at age 51. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, so I was questioning whether I wanted to continue, mm -hmm. you know, hardcore into in performing. And, you know, I just, I kind of, my believe it or not, my last show I ever did, last book show I ever did was Cats. <laughs> I was Deuteronomy um, <clears throat> back at the media theater. Mm -hmm. And by the way, interspersed in all of this, I was also doing a lot of corporate entertainment as well. Mm -hmm. So I ended up as the artistic director of a worldwide corporate entertainment company for five years. It's, I think the point we're trying to make is that the, the pathway always changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can, you know, 
you can have, you know, all the dreams in your world and, and you should stick to your dreams for sure, but you just never know where the road's going to take you. Mm-hmm. As long as you're okay with it mm-hmm. and making those changes and, cha- and and taking those different paths. Yeah. That's how life really works and unfolds, mm-hmm. you know, and I tell my students all the time and I can probably leave you with this. The good thing about choices is that you're never stuck because you can always make another one. Right. And that kind of leads into my hook that I always, that I wrote, remember pathways are like the path when the sun touches the water. You don't know where it leads or ends, but you never know until you walk that path. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's kind of like exactly what you just pulled from. So it's kind of like, you know. Yeah. And in 30 years and we just kind of pulled that together. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think performers have, you know, so much in common in terms of that, you know, it's, I mean, no matter where we end up, we have that mentality. And as I'm just being raw and vulnerable, isn't it funny that I was having a 10 week panic attack because I was like getting ready to do other things in my life. And like, here I wrote this and this is kind of what it is. It was like, I was fearful to walk another pathway because I've been so steady on what I've wanted to do for so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of launching off into some new fields that I'm like, mm, I, I know I'm going to be okay, but it's not, it's not, I'm not leaning into the change. Like I, I wanted to, so I just, I got to mm-hmm. walk that. And it's funny how this, sometimes this podcast has been very cathartic for me the last. And I applaud you. I was, you know, I was looking at some of the other work that you've done and I was like, this is fantastic. This is what, you know, I'm sure people are benefiting from this greatly. So good for you. Oh, thank you. That's, I mean, literally the, like I've said, the way I came up with this, I was walking the dogs one day and I came back to my, my, um, my roommate, my best friend. And I was like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm just going to call all my friends and I'm going to interview them and just do a masterclass all the time. And then they'll introduce me. And I know a lot of people, so I'm just going to talk. And That's I, awesome. I, I literally, it just, boom, it came out yeah. of nowhere within 10 minutes. And it was like, I know I had the same feeling. I was walking through Lincoln Center one day and I was like, I'm going to get my master's degree. It was just like, it was a, like a split, like moment of light in front of me. I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this and I have to do it now. You know, so I, I, I got a master's at 40, I was 47. No, I started at 47. I got it when I was 49. See, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, right. so, so you're inspiring me today. So I appreciate that. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, well, thank you. Um, I'm going to keep you on. I'm going to sign off with the audience here and, okay. um, thank you guys for listening to pathways. Um, we'll be back again for another episode. Um, I'm filming back to back today and I didn't bring a costume change, so I could just take off my um, sweatshirt. So <laughs> it's kind of like a, I've said this a couple of times, it's kind of like a talk show. I'm just filming back to back in one week and seeing what we're doing. Um, so it's not that I wear the same thing all the time. So thank you again for joining us um, and we'll be back next week. And thank you, Kyle. I so appreciate your time. It's so good to see your face after all this time. It's just wonderful. Um, you too. Just love you to bits. It just you brought back a lot of memories for me. So of of the days. So <laughs> I'm gonna sign off here and you stay on and thank you, audience, and see you next week. Okay, take care.